This week on a very special episode of A Gentleman's Guide to Rom-Coms. Nope, every episode is special. I don't know why this one is the only special one. They're all special. We're doing the screwball comedy Bringing Up Baby with Cary Grant and Katherine Hepburn, directed by Howard Hawks. It is one of the great classics of classic Hollywood, of rom-coms, of just classic cinema itself it's kind of lauded by every corner of film critiques they say this is one of the great films and we kind of agree with them this is one of those just manic energetic late 30s films that has the sexiness with Cary Grant and Katherine Hepburn um you know what, what, what can we say it's it's a beautiful looking film oh and it's also got a leopard in it so if it wasn't screwball enough between the wits of Cary Grant Catherine Hepburn they throw a animal into it a wild animal that would be more at home on the Serengeti I don't know I don't know animals Kelly will, will yell at me since uh, he's the animal expert and I clearly am not but uh, it's a fun one this week. Uh, we hope you enjoy it. It's bringing up baby. How does somebody lose their clothes? Uh, you have to be in a screwball comedy. I think, you, yeah, you need, okay. Can I ask you a question? Have I ever been in a screwball comedy? No, I don't care about that. Oh. I want to know if you think Catherine Hepburn in the movie Bringing Up Baby, which is the movie that we're watching for A Gentleman's Guide to Rom-Coms with Kelly and Ryan this week. Hmm? Is she chaotic neutral or chaotic evil? Do you have to be... If you're, if you're evil, though, can you love? Uh, just ask Darth Vader. No, um, don't ask him. Because he's a fictional character, mainly. You can't ask him. Uh, you can ask him, but he won't answer He'll you. choke you out afterwards. Um, at least I, I, chaotic neutral. I think chaotic at, neutral. At least she's chaotic neutral. Yeah, because, I mean, she's perfect, but she's also kind Chaos. of an asshole. <laughs> yeah, she's, but... No, she's not kind of an asshole. Let me... I'm sorry. That was way too light. She's an asshole. But, but in it's the in the name way. of love. Mm, I think she's a little selfish, yeah, which but, isn't good. No, but I love it. But it's good for them. Yeah, it's what. Okay, hold on. We're watching bringing up, bringing up the babes, bringing up babes, um, babes as played by the leopard. What was the leopard's name? It was like Anis. baby. No, it was like like the actual leopard's name. Oh, I don't know. Did you know that Cary Grant? Like, didn't didn't quite get along with the leopard, but at Catherine Hepburn did. Oh, she she like purrs to the leopard. Of course she would. Well, she sounds like, you know how you're supposed to like um, 
talk to animals in a timber that they won't fear or be intimidated by. I feel like her transatlantic timber is just what the leopard needed to hear. Okay. Yeah, that's right? probably true. And it, Cary Grant was too transatlantic. <laughs> well, <laughs> she apparently, well, she was actually attacked by the le- leopard oh, at one point in time. Well, golly. But like it was only when she was twirling around her dress. Oh, <laughs> and it like jumped at her and like claws out like at her. And then the trainer whipped at it and was like, oh, man, get out of here. Speaking of trainer, PETA would have a fit with this movie. Would it? Yeah, I mean, probably. Overturned I think... truck with birds in it in the cages. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Dog and leopard fight. <laughs> yeah, dog and leopard fight, but they seem like best friends. I guess so. Can you? I would if. Hey, if you're an animal trainer, can you please call us and let us know if you can do a safe dog versus leopard <laughs> I don't fight? Think, I don't think that... Like, is it a mongoose versus... What's the mongoose's natural enemy? A cobra? Yeah, is it no. like a mongoose-cobra thing? <laughs> the dog is not the leopard's natural enemy. <laughs> um, well, they're cat and dog. I don't know, dogs and cats. We have a friend, Rachel, friend of the podcast, been on the podcast. Um, she has a puppy that looks just like this puppy a little asta asta but who's, that's asta, who's named after asta the pup from the thin man the thin man yeah but that's what i thought too it's like hey it's asta yeah um rich is like wrong asta it's a different asta. it's a it's a different breed of dog you guys Do you remember that one wrong. time when you didn't know what golden retrievers were i knew what golden retrievers were i just didn't know what like labradoodle thingies are <laughs> Ryan texts me and he's, he's taking care of a friend's house and he's like, what the hell is this? He's like, what kind of dog is this? And it was a golden retriever. I didn't spend time in the libraries looking at dog books in elementary school. Well, no. What? Hold on a second. Did you know somebody who did that? Well, how did you learn about the different dogs? Maybe I did that. Maybe I was that nerdy. How are you supposed to know? Well, cause you just meet dogs. You're walking out and you're like, mom, dad, what, what's that dog? Well, how would they know? They would have to go to the library. Library is the only place you can no, learn, they about learn things. from their dads and moms, and they learn. Hey, from speaking theirs. about learning things, I've got a game for oh, you. Oh, I got a game for you too. What a coincidence! Mine so is called. Are we playing both? We're both playing the games. <laughs> I don't know, but mine's called Two Lies, a Truth, and a Pizza Place. But really, there's only one lie and no pizza place. Uh, and since mine I has s- a cooler name than yours, most definitely, can I, I still think have I go pizza? first? Uh, did you? I, is there a pizza here that has no gluten or dairy in it? No, is the answer then. So two lies, a truth, and a pizza place, but there's only one lie and no pizza, is a game about rom-coms. Mm-hmm. Okay. The initial structure of this game is I'm going to tell you three movie plots. Okay. Okay. One of them is a lie. Two of them are real rom-coms, if you can believe it, because rom-coms, I don't know if you've gotten it out there, people, but rom-coms are, I love them so much, but some of the plots can be really fucking ridiculous, Mm -hmm. and I came across a couple as I was just perusing the onlines the other day, and I was like, you know what, I can play, two can play at this game, and those two are going to be me and Ryan. I'm game. So, I'm going to read you these, these things i i have made up one of them okay okay and you just have to guess which one the lie is okay okay but you don't have to guess until the end okay are you ready yeah i'm not going to tell you the the titles of these until afterwards because that'll give it away yeah okay first movie jessica a reporter for espn is in love with new york giants quarterback tommy reese 
The week before the first playoff game of the year, on which Tommy's career rides, Jessica brings him home to meet her parents. You see, Tommy wants to propose, but if he ever wants to get in good with her father, who's really old-fashioned, he has to ask for permission. On top of that, her dad, Richard, ends up being the biggest fan of the Steelers, who Tommy is playing next week. Will Jessica and Tommy's relationship survive this weekend? Mm. Okay. Are you ready for movie two? Yeah. <clears throat> Wally and Cassie have been best friends for years. However, as often happens, Wally has been in love with Cassie and just hasn't told her. Cassie is tired of waiting to find love and decides that she is going to have a baby by herself. At Cassie's artificial insemination party, Wally gets drunk and knocks over the donor sample while he's in the bathroom and replaces it with his own Naturally. without telling her. Naturally. Seven years later, she returns with his child, dating who she thinks is the actual father. What will Wally do? I don't know. <laughs> this okay. is uh, not related to the Disney Pixar film Wally, correct? Correct. As okay. we firmly established in our her episode, robots are ones and zeros, uh, and thus they wouldn't have the sperm necessary for like creating babies. That's true. Okay. That's true. They can tend plants. I concede to your point. They can tend plants. That's true. <laughs> they can probably pollinate those plants. Yeah. Okay, are you ready for the last movie? Yeah. <clears throat> After playing with a Ouija board with her brother, 11-year-old Faith is convinced that her soulmate, the man she is destined to be with, is named Damon Bradley. A few years later, a carnival fortune teller tells her that Damon Bradley is the name of the man she will marry. A week before her wedding, years later, Faith realizes that her fiancé's high school friend, Damon Bradley, is actually going to be in Italy this next week, which prompts her, along with her sister-in-law, Kate, to go on an international trip searching for the mythical Damon Bradley. Will they find him? Or is Kate meant to marry her fiancé? Or neither? <laughs> or, or guy number three. Okay, so what we have here is an insemination switch-up. Mm -hmm. A football marriage proposal at home with a cranky dad. Mm -hmm. Or a Ouija board Damon Bradley situation. I am going to say the first one is fake. The football player one is fake. Why do you say that? Because I feel like it's a movie that should star Bernie Mac and he passed away so you can't make it anymore. That's you're, the you're, rule. You're thinking the, the Bernie Mac movie with Ashton Kutcher. Yeah, and they, they can't make that movie now because Ash, you know, Bernie Mac's dead. Bernie Mac's dead, so <laughs> it can't be that one. So the other ones have to be true. Okay. The Am I right? You are, actually. <laughs> That's crazy. Great job. Um, the second one is the switch up. Damn it. With Jennifer Aniston. Switch, yeah. Or the switch with Jennifer Aniston and Jason Bateman. Is the third one that Kristen Bell movie? No, this is because she goes to somewhere. Yeah, this is Marissa Tomei and Robert Downey Jr. Oh, and it's called um, it's called Thingies. Fuck, hold on. It's called Only You. Only You. Yeah. Okay. Well, have you watched Only You? No. Oh, we should check it out. Well, I mean, these are both on our all three of those. They're on the list. Are on our list now. Wait. Three of them. Yeah, because I wrote We're that gonna movie. Make We're the gonna make the movie. But Bernie Mac died. 
that's okay. We can find somebody else. Okay. Are we going to play my game? If you want to. <laughs> I thought I was going to stump you. I'm, I'm kind of bummed out over here. Well, maybe you have... Well, this is a competition of the games because um, you can beat my game... And then it'll be will be even. See, I almost went with two try two truth or two lies and a truth. But I feel I felt like if you could find the truth, you would, because you know most movies. Well, it was so hard for me to try to find a movie where I'm like, has Ryan seen this movie? I didn't know what Only You was. Okay. I hadn't seen the Switch, and I didn't know that that was the premise of Only You. I can think of the poster where Marisa Marissa Tomei is laughing. Yeah, and she's in a fountain. I think. Yeah. But I had no idea what that that was what the movie's about. Well, Ryan, and now I'm less inclined to see it because that sounds ridiculous. <laughs> but that's half the battle. Uh-huh. See, was my okay, let me ask you. Was mine too normal? Um It needed you know what's interesting uh-huh. is that it reveals that rom coms always have this weird note of pizzazz to it. And the football player thing. Yeah, I think you needed one more element of like strangeness to it. Uh, okay. I don't know what that means because necessarily. The reason why I thought of this game was because you and I were talking about like if we committed our lives to writing Hallmark movies, would we right. be able to make a living? Right. And I was like, you know what? I could probably come up with a, a, a bad plot or two. What we should do is create an auto-generated Hallmark movie and it's basically Mad Libs where you have like um, female character name works at and then the topic is creative place oh yeah actually we can't do that and then goes home (laughs) to save in or um justin and sydney mcroy literally do do this every year so (laughs) great minds think like yeah okay i have a Cary Grant trivia game for you. Oh, Cary Grant? Yeah. All right. Because it's a Cary Grant movie. It's, is this going to be like last time where it's almost impossible for me to know an answer? Well, let's see. Okay. Let's go to try. First question. Uh, what film is the basis and muse towards the 1993 Sleepless in Seattle that stars Cary Grant? Oh, uh, that's an affair to remember. Ding, ding. Oh, you just, you gave me an easy one, so I feel good. I wanted an easy one. Okay. Okay. Carrie. Daddy, I'm scared. (laughs) Carrie Grant made several films with Uh my hero, Alfred Hitchcock. Yes, he did. I'm going to tell you three films, and you're going to tell me which is their first collaboration. No. Is it A, To Catch a Thief, Mm -hmm. B, Suspicion, Mm -hmm. or C, North by Northwest? I'm going to go with B, Suspicion. Ding-a-ling. <laughs> I guess I'm the Dean. dean a lean for you. Pushing out my chest like a Liz Lemon. How did you know Suspicion? Because I knew he was super old in North by Northwest, and he started becoming like a little gray foxy in mm. Catch a Thief. Mm-hmm. He just looks much older than Audrey Hepburn in that movie. Yeah. Okay. Cary Grant. It is Audrey Hepburn, right? Uh, no, no, it's Grace Kelly. Grace Kelly. Uh, Carrie, last question. Whoa, last question? Yeah. Man, you really put a lot of work into this one. Yeah. Uh, Cary Grant and Katherine Hepburn were in several films together. Which is the first collaboration for them? Is it A, bringing up baby, B, holiday, not the holiday, no definitive article, just holiday, just holiday. or C, Philadelphia story? Well, I, I know it's not Philadelphia Story. Holiday. Um, I'm going to say Holiday. 
correct. Oh, okay. It would also have been correct if you said bringing up baby because they both came, came out, out the same in 1938. Year? Yeah, all right. So there you go. So, yes, we have this movie. And it has quite a story to it, Ryan. I think you should regale not only myself, but our loyal listeners with a story. Here's the story. Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. I ask you about love, probably quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter and not very good at telling stories. That's the end. What do you mean that's the end? That's not. It's the beginning of something interesting. Listen, that's the end of that saga. The end. Bringing Up Baby is a screwball comedy. That is an important demarcation for the kind of story that we're going to be diving into. Is and that you, it's a screwball comedy. You get it right up front. The titles. How, what did you think of the titles? Because it's just a couple of people playing around with a leopard in some, like, I would say less than great drawings yeah it also reminds me of the title cards that they have before the old school disney cartoons you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah i do and you miss that it's not necessarily that it's bad it just feels it's an rko picture directed by howard hawks uh, but it, it feels indie in a way oh say more like not not the whole film like maybe the whole film i guess um but the like there's no such thing as an indie picture like before the nineties, seventies. Um, and yeah, like I'm, I'm watching the, the opening credits and it's just, you know, doing the old title card sequence and each of these title cards have different drawings on it and something about it read as like low budget to me in a hmm. weird way not in a bad way. Just, it felt, it didn't feel like an RKO set of drawings. Well, it's interesting that it is RKO that made the film because after this, they kind of went away. In the 40s, after Citizen Kane, that's RKO also released, they kind of died, <laughs> died on the vine. And it's the same thing that happened to 20th Century Fox. Is that That's not around it either. So it's going to get to a point where we're going to, because when we see RKO's like, RKO, it's like, hey, RKO. Yeah, you're a radio company. Thanks for reminding us. I remember you guys, but there's no modern version of it. It's going to happen in 60 years with 20th Century Fox. Now that Disney owns 20th Century Fox is that we'll see the... And we'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember that. It's not going to happen anymore. That's such a bummer. Yeah. Okay, anyways, <laughs> title cards aside, you get introduced to Cary Grant, who plays David, who is a scientist. He is a scientist who is, it's so great that these two people are playing, I would say, kind of against type. Yeah, because Cary Grant is playing a dork. Right, and Catherine Hepburn is playing, like, uh, whirlwind, flighty, like, mastermind I don't want to say dits, but there's there's something airy about her. She's kind of the Loki of the film. She is. Loki is a very good word. Right? Not low-key. Just very Loki. Very, uh, what's his name? Hiddleston? Tom? Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston. Very Tom Hiddleston. Mm-hmm. Surprise. Ow. Just had to be sure. And so we got Cary Grant, uh, who plays David, 
Mm-hmm. David. Big dork. Big glasses. Very Harold Lloyd with the glasses, too. Who also helped work on this movie. Oh, perfect. Yeah. They must have been the glasses. He, Cary Grant must have been like, I like your glasses. Can I see your glasses? I mean, maybe. Yeah. Who knows how that went behind the scenes? But Harold Lloyd was brought in at one point in time to help Catherine Hepburn with her pratfalls because she didn't have a lot of comedic experience. And Howard Hawks was like, all right, I'm going to get you trained up. And he actually went to the guy who plays the constable later on. Oh. And he was like, I need you to train up Catherine Hepburn in like Pratt Falls and stuff. And he was like, I'm not going to do it unless Catherine asked me. Oh. And so Howard or Hawks went to um, Catherine Hepburn. And he's like, you need to ask him. And so she asked him and then also got him a bigger part in the movie later on. What's that called? The kind of live theater that predated vaudeville comedy? vaudeville. Mm-hmm. Uh, Held Lloyd is a big yeah, vaudevillian. I learned a lot about with silent comedies like Charlie Chaplin, like he found all these vaudeville stars that were like aging out. And that must've been what a con the con- that guy who played the constable is that he must've been kind of an aging vaudeville mm-hmm. guy. He was actually. And, and they are all just trained. It's kind of like how Jackie Chan is trained in like the Peking theater where it's just uh-huh. like, you uh-huh. just learn how to fall on your ass over and over again and just make it entertaining. And Buster Keaton is like my favorite version of this because Charlie Chaplin is great, but there's something so physical about that work mm-hmm. that I think Buster Keaton shines most definitely in. But in this movie, both Carrie, uh, Carrie Grant and Catherine Hepburn are just like doing really funny physical comedy. So many falls. And I think Carrie Grant, I may be making this up, was an acrobat, was trained as an acrobat or something to that effect. He was trained to do physical stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but he clearly has a skill that's competitive with Harold Lloyd and Buster Keaton in terms of like falling down and making it entertaining. And if Catherine Hepburn didn't have that skill before this movie, she definitely does afterwards because yeah. like her falls and his falls, like when they're just like sometimes fall out of frame or the, the gag with the, (laughs) with the telephone receiver where they both like get hung up on the, like walking away by the telephone wire is just slapdash. Some of the best, like Chevy chase esque Pratt falls. Yeah. And, and holiday we'll, we'll watch holiday at some point, uh, same year. I wonder which they filmed first because Carrie and Catherine do this stunt where it's an acrobat stunt where, I think she's on his shoulders mm-hmm. and they do like a, a flip where they basically fall down. And it's that like, you know, in the bug's life where the two little beetles do, uh, the, do yeah, that yeah. little thing, uh-huh. they do the same thing. And it's, it's incredible. You kind of like, you, like what I love about this movie is that your jaw drops several times. You're yes. like, Oh my God. <laughs> what they did? <laughs> well, was she, were either of them the actual, cause I think I can definitely tell it's him. Mm hmm in the last scene because they do kind of an acrobatic, uh, like fall when, when she climbs on top of the, um, the, the, the brontosaurus yeah. and it falls apart and he, they're basically tied together yeah. and, and he's holding her while she swings. And I was like, I'm really far away and I can't tell if that's actually Catherine Hepburn. Yeah. But was, either way, I, yeah. I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell. There was another shot where she falls down a hill and you never mm-hmm. see her face. I'm like, oh, I don't know if that was her, but either way, either way it works. Uh, so the story, and since it's a screwball comedy, it's going to be difficult to explain because the whole point is that it's supposed to be screwy and you're supposed to kind of lose yourself in the plot and just kind of get swept up in the momentum of the zaniness. Uh-huh. So uh, David is a and the philo- paleontologist, paleontologist maybe? kind of He's definitely guy. not a zoologist, which uh, Catherine Hepburn calls him like right. eight times in this movie. <laughs> He's Ross Geller. He's Ross Geller. Right. He works and- at the museum and... Uh, <laughs> 
Go ahead. And he's engaged to some lady, maybe a lady who's also has to do with the museum. Right. Um, and they find out that they get the bone. Can you, Ryan, can you tell me what bone this is? The, uh, Prixtapalapalacorius. The last bone we needed to complete the brontosaurus, the very last bone, the intercostal clavicle, is arriving tomorrow. Well, it's clavicles in there somewhere. Robin <laughs> immediately fact-checked this to see if this was a real bone, and it is not. Oh, it, it also sounded it's... like a planet from Doctor Who. I don't believe it. We actually get to go to Rex... Wait a minute. Raxacorico... Raxacorico phallopatorius. That's it. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Like, I, I think the bone, in order to exist, it would have to be a neck inside of a rib cage. Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, dinosaurs are weird. They have feathers. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's a real one. But Robin was like, I don't think this exists. <laughs> uh, pulled one over on me. I, I had no idea. So he, they, they're getting a bone. They found a bone, and they're gonna put the bone in the big skeleton that he was working on. Yes, uh, and it's gonna finish the skeleton. But they also know that a big donor is coming to town, mm-hmm. and uh, his fiance is telling him, "You got to go impress the donor and make sure that they give the million dollars to us." Which million dollars in the '30s is like a lot. Like of holy money. crap, that is a ton of money. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, okay, I'll go play golf with this guy, and so we catch up to them playing. We're missing a whole bunch of sexy stuff here. What's sexy stuff? So they're going to get married the oh, they're next gonna have day. A honey- yeah, they're going right? to get married tomorrow. And they, they can't- were going to have a honeymoon. But his his fiance, uh, Miss Swallow, <laughs> who um, <laughs> I, I only I only put the emphasis right there. Well, which is it, baby? Is it spits of swallows? <laughs> <laughs> she um, she lays this line down where she's he's like, maybe it goes in the tail. And he's, she's like. You tried the tail yesterday. It's probably in the head. Uh, you'll find the exact line. <laughs> I either put missed it, it or I wasn't thinking this it. This movie is f- so chock full of sexual innuendos. I looked today. There's eight articles just written on this in like Variety and oh, Vogue. Okay. Like this is a sexy movie. It. Go back and rewatch it. it sometime, people, and just listen for all the sexual innuendos because okay. they're there. I missed it. But anyway, she as soon as she finds out that this bone is coming in, not Cary Grant's, but this... This other bone. Right. She um, wants to get boned. She, no, she's like, no, we're not going on a honeymoon. You're just going to come back here and work. And he's like, no, no kids, no, no sex. She's like, no, no, it's all about the work. And so Cary Grant, who seems rather restricted as a human being, is marrying somebody who's very much about work and not about play. Mm-hmm. And so then he goes to get to this donation. Impress the donor, a Jim Halpert, as you will go to the golf course right right it's very jim halper Mm -hmm. and he's being very dorky about it he's like oh you have to give this money to us yeah and it's just mr peabody he's the lawyer for this benefactor uh and so he's getting somewhere with him and that's when he runs into Catherine hepburn which she this this starts off like we need to talk about how she initially talks to him because it starts off their relationship. Mm-hmm. It's her meet cute. She starts golfing with his ball. <laughs> you know, you know how in the Dark Knight he's like uh, when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. That's well, this movie. Well, well, no. What we have here is Catherine Hepburn is an unstoppable force, mm-hmm. and Cary Grant is a movable object. Yeah, <laughs> and so. She steals his golf ball and he keeps saying, that's not your golf ball. It's my golf ball. And she's like, whatever. I'm rich and cool. Keep up with me. Mm -hmm. And he just kind of gets, he kind of drags himself along. And 
I have to ask at this point in time, because this is this is what starts off the rest of the movie, which is him getting dragged along on the adventure that she sends him down. Mm-hmm. He wants this. He does. He does. He wants it because if he really, he, well, he can't be a dick. It's in his nature that he won't be mean to this woman. He seems he, polite, at least. He can't be mean to anybody. It's kind of like, um, <laughs> I don't think that's true. We see him being very impolite later on to, um, the, the big game hunter man. I know, but he can't, <laughs> he can never actually put a stop to anything. He's so ineffectual. So ineffectual is a good word. I think he's ineffectual. And for whatever reason, he's most ineffectual when it comes to her. He's a man surrounded by hard bones who just is limp. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that's a way you could put it. Yeah. But, you know, I think maybe that is one of the rules that we can kind of start to see with screwball comedies is that you have to have characters that are either driving the car or dragging the person. Right. And Catherine Hepburn is driving the car this whole time. Which is is kind of, basically, he follows her to the parking lot where not only has she stolen his ball. Now um, she's stolen his car. Now she's stolen his car. Just to get out of the way so that she could get her car. But his car was in the way, kind of. So she has to move his car to get to her car. So I, she just takes his car anyways. Their interaction where he's like... She's like, could you get off my running board? And he's like, it's not your running board. It's my running board. And she just (laughs) takes off with him. It's, I think this is some of the better, better written zany scripts that we've come across. Yeah. Cause their, their dialogue is like one, just this kind of like pitter patter ping pong tennis fight. Howard, Howard Hawks, who who also directed uh, his girl Friday, Mm -hmm. a very similar type of pitter patter. Um, And the two people who wrote this, are Dudley Nichols and Hagger Wild, who ended up falling in love on this uh, while they were writing this movie, Aww. which is kind of you know nice that they were writing these two zany characters. And I have to wonder if one of them was better at writing one of the other characters or not. Yeah, uh, you know, you always wonder with writing partner like teams, like are they role playing mm-hmm. uh, as one and one is doing the other, and does that like role-playing get into other kind of role-playing you think they invited a leopard into their bed yeah and maybe that's where things got interesting there's like nothing nothing is complicated here we need to complicate our love life obviously if it's going to be like this movie that's my headcanon that's that's had to be who wrote it so they she basically kidnaps him accidentally yeah after like they have a couple other interactions where they throw they they meet and have a series of like really funny interactions at the the restaurant and then she's like i know mr peabody let's go to mr peabody's house okay so i this is what makes this movie zany because they get themselves in these situations where she brings him to the house he's not answering the door it's really late at night so she thinks i'm gonna throw pebbles at the window she throws a rock later on after the pebbles don't work and that's of course right when he opens the window and it Mm -hmm. nails him in the head right Mm -hmm. mr peabody could be dead yeah but they just run away run away Like Robin and I both, because it'd been a while since I'd seen this movie, we were like, do they sneak up into the house and like try to see if he's okay? No, he's probably just fine. Just (laughs) almost murders him. Uh, Well, we skipped over one of my favorite sequences when- The dress? They go to the restaurant that he was supposed to meet up with Mr. Peabody later, and the whole time he- 
keeps telling Mr. Peabody, he's like, I'll be with you in a moment. And he's waiting for them. And lo and behold, she shows up again. There's some kind of cosmic force bringing them together. Well, I guess since she knows Mr. Peabody, she would be running the same circles as that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But you're right. There is a little bit of fate going on here. Yeah. Uh, and she accidentally rips his tailcoat. Mm-hmm. And he accidentally rips her dress, which I wonder how that got by the censors because it's, her, I mean, we see bottoms, some knickers, but you we know. We see some knickers and like a line of a, a beautiful ass crack, uh-huh. but it's it's nothing showy. Right. But like the, the Hayes Code, they were very strict. They were like, no shorts on women, pants. <laughs> yeah. And Catherine Hepburn was like, hey guys, double fingers. Yeah. Because Catherine Hepburn, as uh, like if you don't know anything about her history, she not only a style icon and a icon in general, but she like refused to wear shoes on her first film set. She like convinced the people. <laughs> she's like, no, 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 I, my character shouldn't have shoes. That's how wild and free she is. <laughs> like she just she wears what she wants. She certainly does. And at this point in time, she still had clout because it was before this movie came out. Uh, yeah, because after it. She was labeled box office poison. Along with like five other actresses. Yeah. Which was bogus. And then the movie to reverse course on the box office poison was. Oh, Philadelphia story. Which she bought the rights to. Oh, So really she kind of turned around her own career. She's the George Lucas of screwball comedy actresses. Every time, every time does there need to be a George Lucas of something? In this case, (laughs) she got the merchandising rights. That was a kingly move. Imagine if there was merchandise. What okay? What product of the Philadelphia story would there be if you had merchandising rights for it? The boat, which is yar, yar, not yap, yap. No. <laughs> That's for the people who have been listening to our podcast all in a row. Um, okay, so basically, he rips her dress, and since they're at a fancy party, he's got to cover up her backside. Uh And so they basically have to goose step together with him behind her, and it's just the goofiest thing where... I don't know if any other director was handling it, it would just be a stupid scene, but it's just hilarious. Well, I love the, this world because propriety still exists in this world, right? Yeah. Even though it's filled with a bunch of zany characters. If this was like a Marx brother movie and two characters were walking out, they would be laughing along with the audience. Yeah. But I like that both of them are embarrassed by this right. as kooky and zany and wonderful as Catherine Hepburn is. She still has pride. Yep. And I like this scene for showing that the, it's in, it's a good thing that you brought up Marx Brothers because that kind of shows why the comedy does work is that Cary Grant is doing Buster Keaton. And the wa- reason why Buster Keaton was so good at what he did is that he was stone-faced for every pratfall that he did. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Marx Brothers are always winking at you of like, whoa, look, yeah, look yeah, at what yeah. I just did. Wasn't that so goofy? And Cary Grant's doing the same thing. I feel like he's just like watched Buster Keaton's like, okay, I'm mm. just going to do that. Well, yeah, I think... I think... I, I disagree just a little bit because Cary Grant, yes, he, he keeps more of a straighter face. He's not in on the joke necessarily, mm-hmm. but I do think that Cary Grant, after watching this movie, it really reminded me of his, sh- I, I almost want to say he has a shtick, mm-hmm. which is, um, if you go and watch like arsenic and old lace when he plays, I don't even want to call him a sh- the straight man in this movie, because even though he is less kooky than, um, Catherine Hepburn's Susan, mm-hmm. He's still, he's still, 
kind of a crazy character for being pulled along as much as he is. Yeah. Um, and what he does is when everybody's being goofy and not listening to him, he sits down and instead of fixing the situation, he shakes his head and he's like just at a loss. Mm-hmm. It is this thing. Go watch any Cary Grant like his any comedy. This is his go to. He will sit down on the stairs and just go, what? I can't. Hmm? No, I just can't do is it's, he has it's the same thing. thing in Arsenic Old Lace. Yeah, and not only Arsenic and Old Lace, but um, there was another movie I thought of last night. Uh, I can't think of it right now, but like, this is his thing. This is his go-to. And it's not bad. It works. But I would say like he... He's affected by the world more Mm -hmm. than like Buster Keaton would be where Buster Keaton is literally unchanged. Stone-faced. Yeah. Uh, Well, it's interesting because Philadelphia Story kind of marks the kind of end of screwball comedies because Philadelphia Story is more high society humor. It is. Like C.K. Dexter Haven is a is a way different kind of character in comedy. And it's more Cary Grant where yeah. he's suave it's and sophisticated. Yeah. And he's just a little sassy the whole movie, but he's uh-huh. never, he's never getting into zany circumstances. No, you would, he would never. Yeah. Whereas like it's more Jimmy Stewart. That's getting zany in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but here in bub bringing up baby, <laughs> I saw on the forum that people were, were just, calling it bub i was like oh we've already we've already got a shorthand for it cool i'm glad the internet's like it only took 120 years (laughs) oh it's not it hasn't even been 100 yet uh so where are we gosh okay so they kill mr peabody (laughs) almost (laughs) and then she does kidnap him um after babe like she basically baby they go meet baby she convinces him that she's being torn apart by a leopard he runs to save her she's not been torn apart by a leopard the leopard comes from her brother who's in Colombia and has sent it to her for some reason and didn't mention that it was supposed to go to her aunt. Right. And I don't know why you'd be shipping anybody a leopard. Well, this is apparently a, a quote unquote tame leopard and you don't need to ask, well, how or why, because this is a zany comedy. Stuff like that doesn't so matter. So she got throw a leopard. Away. Yeah. So if the comedy wasn't zany enough, throw in a leopard, mm-hmm. literally throw in a leopard. Catherine Hepburn really wants to see david again and she knows that he's supposed to get married that day so she starts to use some more desperate ploys to get him yeah she's basically trying to seduce him because she's fallen in love with this this guy because i don't know they in an odd way they just kind of complete each other and he's just really adorable and it it reminded me sadly of mine and sarah's relationship because when we're in a goofy mood i usually am playing the david to her Catherine hepburn no it's true i'm just very true like do you really think that? <laughs> Do you really believe it? No, yeah, no, for sure. Prove it. Um, she is an agent of chaos. Robin and I have said this many times. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, Sarah plays, she she speaks a big game about, you know, how ordered his, her life is. But she creates all the chaos in your guys' life. Intentionally, though. It's controlled chaos. And then she will bother the crap out of you in a way that she thinks is cute. It's adorable to be put upon in the Cary Grant manner. I mean, I, I, audience, I'm letting you know right now that Ryan Ryan acts like he doesn't like it, but he likes it. I like it. Um, so she drags him out of town. They steal a car. Right. Right. Um, and Cary Grant, again, just goes on with this. They hit a truck filled with chickens. Look at all those chickens. Some of which, chickens and ducks and swans, some of which the leopard eats yep and then they finally arrive at her aunt's house or her house wait they go to the butcher first 
They go into town. No, that's where they steal the car. Oh, right. Well, before they steal the car, she runs in. She runs into the constable, who will be a major character later. Right, right, right. She she convinces him that it's not like that. Her car isn't the one parked in front of the fire hydrant, and that she actually has this car, and that's why she has to steal the car. Yeah, and uh, the constable is such a like vaudeville like <laughs> kind of constable where he's just very flapped the whole time. Um, his name is uh, Walter Catlett. Mm-hmm. He feels very much like. Uh, I don't know. I keep reading. He is, he is the um, the buffoon. Yeah, but not the buffoon in modern comedies. It's no. like a different kind of buffoon type. Yeah, it's the like well-intentioned, I know what's going on here, but you never actually do. Yeah. Yeah. He's not Michael Scott buffoon. No, it's a different kind of fool. It's, yeah. a more, it's more Shakespearean it's fool. It's Falstaffian. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they go to the butcher. My favorite scene in the movie is when they go to the butcher. Okay. And he is ordering 30 pounds of steak. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and how do you want it cut? And he says, uncut. <laughs> and the guy says, how are you cooking this? Seared or something? And he's like, no, it's raw. He's like, who are you feeding? <laughs> and Cary Grant says, Say, do you grind this up before you eat it? Oh, oh, this isn't for me. It's for baby. <laughs> <laughs> Again, uncut. <laughs> like, I, raw. Like, I don't know. This movie is is... It's it's a hilarious part, but I also think there's a lot of subtext in this. I mean, I guess I guess if you want to be encouraged to read into it, this is the movie to read into it. Yeah, uh, I don't think the movie would uh, shame you for it. Yeah, and even if they weren't going for it, I'm it's sure still funny on a regular level. Yeah, too. I'm sure Howard Hawks would be like in the Netherworld. He's like, that's not what I was going for, but since you got it, you got it. Is Howard Hawks in filmmaker heaven or hell? He's in purgatory. Oh, he's like in between? Yes. Okay. I'm trying to think of a movie that was like a desecration, but I got nothing. He's He's got mostly hits that I can think of. So what, do you, what can you do? Well, they make it... I, I, have a, I have a question because they make it to this house, right? Yeah. Where they're showering and she steals his clothes and it's like... This is where her maniacalness is put on display for us because he gets really dirty and she convinces him instead of going back to New York and getting married... She like he needs to stay and shower and clean up before he goes and gets married. And she steals his clothes and has them sent to town. Right. So devious. Yeah. Chaotic. Yeah. But with a wink and a smile that makes me want to kiss her. She's kind of like a gremlin. Yeah, she's a she's a goblin of some kind. Right. Like the most beautiful trickster Loki goblin that there is. And. At one point in time, he she goes to shower, and he, so he has nothing to put on, so he puts on her f- foofy robe. And my favorite line in the movie that was ad-libbed mm-hmm. is when he answers the door for the aunt. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's grilling him on his clothes, and he's just like, I went gay all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. What do you want? Well, who are you? Who are you? What, who are you? What do you want? Well, who are you? I don't know. I'm not quite myself today. Well, you look perfectly idiotic in those clothes. These aren't my clothes. Well, where are your clothes? I've lost my clothes. Well, why are you wearing these clothes? Because I just went gay all of a sudden. Oh, excuse me. Um, this was the first context in an American film where the word gay was actually used to describe homosexuality. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I always watch the movie thinking, I'm like, oh, they must have meant it the old-fashioned way. But then I learned about it, and I was like... Cool. Yeah, and Cary Grant was like, "No, oh, I got this." <laughs> um, of course, Cary Grant would take it. And it was it was more like in in the 1920s. It was 
I mean, it was basically used since the early 20s as slang, but was pretty underground in modern society until like the early 30s slash when it was used in this movie. And I'm sure the censors were like, I don't know. Yeah, like, I'm a square. Don't matter to me. I have no idea what you're talking <laughs> like, about. Like you can't be a censor and not be a square, right? That I I was under the impression they were all squares. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you want to be a censor, square. Square. Um, and so this is my question. Whose house is this? It's the aunt's house. Why did she knock on the door? Um, hmm. Okay, see? That face is the one I got last night. Why, I think it must be Catherine Hepburn's house. Well, it seemed and, like a big compound because there's like uh, a stable. Yeah. Right? That's where they keep Baby. And they, they've locked up Baby at this point. Baby is behind bars There's for eating swans. Yeah. Baby, baby you <laughs> ate prize swans. There's... Does the gardener have a house? Uh, well, the gardener who is, um, while they're still like, this is when Hollywood is still taking jabs at the Irish, which <laughs> um, basically happened through the like early fifties. Um, he's a, he's a pretty heavy stereotype. I didn't get, I just thought he was so drunk that he could barely speak straight. No. I wasn't sure if he was Irish. Oh no, they were making fun of the Irish. Oh, this okay. character is all over the 1930s, especially. Okay. As the drunken Irish person who can't quite hold it together without having a drink. Right. Um, but he, and he keeps his drink in baby's cage. He just doesn't know the baby's in there because nobody in this movie would tell anybody what's going on. No, then it wouldn't be a screwball comedy. Exactly. Um, so now Cary Grant's got clothes. He's got silly clothes, but the main issue happens. The clavicophil clavinus gets stolen by, by George. The, George the dog. George the dog. What are you doing, George? Who buries the bone. Mm-hmm. And he needs that bone and he needs that million dollars and he's got none now. He put a bone in a hole, mm-hmm. right? And so they have to go dig up all of these these like holes out in the yard and they just follow George to each of these individual holes, but they're mainly filled with boots and stuff. Yeah. Basically, Again, they got to Shia LaBeouf the situation. Out of the corner of your eye, you spot him. Shia LaBeouf. Because, you know, 2003 holes. holes. Yeah, 2000. Really? Or they need to Optimus Prime the situation. I could have gone either way. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. As From 2006's Transformers? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so... It's Michael Bay's bringing up baby. <laughs> <laughs> I just see uh, Michael, or uh, Cary Grant and Catherine Hepburn standing up into scene, looking around as explosions happen. The camera's swirling around them, and they look out, and they say, there's that dog. I just, I just get it. I want to see them in this like kaiju situation, Power Ranger style, where they're both in a giant like a giant robot, Catherine Hepburn, no, going a to giant battle robot a giant leopard. bottle, Cary Grant, yeah. and then they have to both <laughs> battle a giant leopard. Now that would have been a that would have been Michael Bay's screwball comedy. He's like, look at that leopard. 1938's Power Rangers, baby. Yeah. <laughs> So the bone gets lost and then the movie kind of goes all to hell Mm -hmm. just in terms of chaos. Yeah, because basically the aunt thinks Cary Grant is um, has gone through a mental breakdown. And they all think he's a big game hunter, too. Yes. Uh, And Colonel Major Major Applegate. Right. um, Shows up for dinner. He shows up for dinner and he does leopard calls. 
<laughs> yeah. And is trying to like help out Carrie or Carrie Grant, uh, who snubs him. And, and then down the street, the circus, it has to go euthanize their leopard. So they take their leopard away. They get lost. And, and their eventually leopard, Catherine Hepburn lets the leopard out. That's that leopard out. So now there's two leopards loose in this crazy forest while Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant are kind of falling in love. But it's more him just getting slowly more and more pissed off about not being able to find the clavicophagus. The intercostal clavicle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's I think you got it. Is that it? Sure. <laughs> okay. I'm no scientist. Um, Thank God. There's a lot of like goofy stuff. Like they fall in a river, they fall off a cliff. They, 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 they just go searching and kind of like, they start a fire to dry off their clothes in the middle of the woods. Yeah. Where did they find all the fire supplies? Doesn't matter. It's a zany comedy. Um, it culminates in them all going to jail. And <laughs> I'm listening to you describe a dream you had last night. I know. And then somehow I was in a jail. They're in jail. And, and so then Catherine Hepburn. But I wasn't guilty. So then the uh, Falstaffian uh, cop. Uh-huh. Co-op. What's his name? He is. He's um, the constable, which I didn't, yeah. I didn't know that constables were real. He's Constable Slocum. Slocum is how it's spelled. Okay, and <laughs> they all get locked up, and Catherine Hepburn argues her way out by impersonating a 1930s gangster yeah. because it's the 1930s. Basically, she cagneys it. The the false yes, the false staffiness of this is he thinks that they're all robbers who have done jobs recently, and once she gives him like a bit of of credence to any of his suspicions, he's like ah. You're going to come out here. I'm going to get a confession out of you. And this is going to make my career as a small town constable. And her switch, this is where Catherine Hepburn shines, I think, the brightest, Mm -hmm. where she goes from high society, you know, um, what is the accent? Not new egg. Uh, Transatlantic. Um, new egg. Is she going to buy West some egg. Peak computer West parts? egg is the one that I meant to say. West egg. <laughs> She's like, would you like a hard drive? Yeah. Um, she changes to this like, yeah, I want to say a C like yeah. Bugsy Malone totally. style voice. And it's just seamless. Mm-hmm. Now, look here. I'm not going to stand for that in this no jail. No smoking, no talking. Put me back in the cell. Wrap me up again. Uh, uh, Ain't going to talk unless I have a cigarette. No, no, no. Hold here. Just, just sit down. Uh, sit down. She won't talk without a seat. Here, Doc, give her one of them cigarettes. <laughs> now then, if you just uh, tell the truth, why, we'll make it as easy as we can. Hey. My kiss, if you please. Oh, well, well, well. Now, there mm. I go again. Sorry, boys. False habit. Forgot where I was for a minute. <coughs> Not. Hey. How about uh, a little fresh air? It's kind of hot in here. Yes, it is a little bit muggy, isn't it? It's always that way around here at this time of year. <clears throat> and I believed every minute of it, and seeing her manipulate all the cops and allow her, like, get them to allow her to get closer and closer to the window so she can escape is just... Genius. It's genius writing. It's genius acting. It's genius framing. Like Howard Hawks gives Cary Grant, but especially Catherine Hepburn, like leeway to just sit in the frame and do her acting. Mm -hmm. Like he really gives her long takes, which is like your dream as an actor to just 
really chew the scenery through a long monologue or dialogue. But she's very economical about what to do with stuff because the pace is always going. It never gets slowed down, bogged down in anything. Yeah, and she's using like uh, she's using matches for physical comedy. She's like, you know, stealing cigarette cases, and then she has to she has to smoke near the window now that she has a cigarette, and it's it's like a Rube Goldbergian like. Uh, cacophony of madness. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, <laughs> she kidnaps the rabid leopard that has been after right, Major Applegate. Right. That's what she did. She escaped to get the other leopard, and then well, she not intentionally, but she right. gets the bad one because the real one shows up at the the, the jail. Right. Uh, Stay with us, folks. So the leopards intermingle with the people, and they all get frightened off, and it's very, it's very. Th- theater Carrie, where yeah, the characters get smooshed together in the final act it feels like we're at a new set because we're, we're in the jail for probably 20 20 maybe 20 minutes yeah yeah and like this new set has been brought out for the third act yeah and Cary grant fends off the leopard then he faints into katherine hepburn's arms um after saving the day kind of yeah and then we're back at the brontosaurus where, where we he, started the movie. And that's when he discovers that he's actually fallen in love with this crazy woman. Right. At, but that's after Miss Swallow. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Alice Swallow. That's okay. her name. Um, you say so. It is. It is Alice Swallow. She is like, you're, I always thought you were like one, she said one color. And then she's like, but it seems that you're like a butterfly. And it was like, okay, what is... That sounded nice. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like you're too many, you're too flighty for me, or something. It, it felt like a 1930s insult that I just didn't get. <laughs> yeah. But I love his like rejected tone. He's like, oh, yeah. He's just oh, like, okay. Oh. And you can tell it didn't really matter that much to him anyway, because he goes sad. right back to doing his. Well, then Catherine Hepburn comes in and he runs away from her. And sure, because she's chaos. And then she is like, I got you the million dollars that we had forgotten now about, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, her aunt was the donor. Yeah. Sorry, we forgot to mention that. Yeah. And then she destroys his brontosaurus, and now they're in love. Yeah. That's the movie. That's it. Uh, oh, I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> Strangely, watching the movie last night, I was like getting sleepy. And I was like, why am I sleepy? It's only nine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, But it's, the movie is exhausting. It in is. In a good way. It never... You, it never slows. No. Um, but it does have that effect if you're tired where, um, uh, have, did you ever watch, uh, this is bringing up Michael Bay again, bringing up, bringing up Bay. Bayham. It's Bayham. You know, if Utter you, Bayham. if you take one letter out of bringing up baby, you have bringing up Bay. Bringing up Bay. Oh, Bay. podcast idea. We do the movies of Michael Bay, bringing up Bay. Trademark, trademark, trademark. So, Transformers two, I I didn't I didn't partake I I didn't in, I didn't inhale I just passed it on <laughs> I just put my lips on it <laughs> yeah uh, don't 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 go anywhere near it it's 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 an insane movie I, I I love Roger Ebert's description of it where it sounds like if you put it's more pleasurable. He says something like it's more pleasurable if you put a pot on your head and started slamming it with a wooden spoon and just had the children's choir of hell singing around you. (laughs) And, and it's kind of true because the movie is nonstop craziness. Mm -hmm. It doesn't stop at the jokes. It's action 24 seven and it never gives you a chance to breathe and just say, 
okay, I'm going to sit down and relax. And this movie doesn't quite get to that point to me. I can see how it would be exhausting for some people, but for me, it has enough moments where it kind of slows down to kind of let you know how it's feeling about itself. Mm-hmm. Like, like the I'm thinking when Cary Grant sits to the side and is just yeah. like, um, okay, you and your aunt argue. I'm just going to sit here. Or when they're out in the forest, you know, um, doing the fire and she's like, I, f- <laughs> I was born on a hill. I was born on a hill. That's got to be my favorite gag of hers. But this movie's paced, I think, perfectly for what it is. Yeah, it doesn't it it doesn't slow down. It keeps the pace going. I'm trying to think of a moment where it really gets introspective. It doesn't. It doesn't. But it doesn't have to. No. And this is so this movie. Let's talk about it. It was a flop. Mm hmm. It had a $1 million budget. Yeah. And it made $11,000 at the box office. Hmm. Now, I don't know about you, Ryan, but that sounds like a flop. That was a worldwide gross. Yeah. And so in Hollywood, that could ruin your career. It didn't ruin any of these people's careers, but it could have. Right. She was box office poison after that. Uh, um, I'm sorry. I rolled my eyes so hard. (laughs) This loss of money was something that Howard Hawks attributed to him not having enough real characters in the movie. He said, I had too many zany characters Mm. yet years later, it's both critically loved and like just, I mean, it's, it's almost, I don't, I haven't run into a person that doesn't like this movie. Like it's not everybody's favorite cup of tea, but I've never run into somebody who's like, no, fuck bringing up baby. So do you think it was just the times like world war two was on the brink of happening in Europe? Um, people wanted something a little bit more serious. Is there a movie these days that you've seen where you're like, this doesn't play now, but it will play in 20 years. Uh, well, I was thinking about set it up with Zoe Dutch and I was thinking about how, she has the same energy as Catherine Hepburn. And I'm wondering if like, it's weird that everyone's talking about in terms of Netflix movies, like to all the boys I loved before the kissing booth or the rom-coms that people sure. are talking about. I'm like, I think you should be talking about set it up. I have a feeling that set it up is actually going to be the film that people talk about when they talk about when Netflix made all these rom-coms. Cause they did their output was voluminous. And I think set it up is one of those like under, appreciated films i guess so um the the difference here for me though is the like just take laughs per moment oh yeah this movie laughs per moment are like or let's say per minute at least four laughs per minute Mm -hmm. right set it up like if if i'm not saying it's the same like (laughs) quality flavor uh, but it's it's a movie out there that i feel like the characters, the humor, it's not as funny. Like a, a movie funnier or as funny as Bringing Up Baby, uh, Airplane and nothing else. Like there's nothing else that's like competitive to Bringing Up Baby in terms of the how much jokes are built into the film. Sure. I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I couldn't possibly think well, of I'm, anything. I'm, not, I'm thinking about like movies that just didn't play uh, to a, a broad audience as well as they might one day. I'm thinking of stuff like 
you know, Seth Rogen and James Franco going to kill Jim Kim Jong Il or Kim Jong Un. Mm-hmm. I forgot which one the movie was about, but well, I don't know. Like uh, to me, this movie was lost on an audience in a way that set it up. You know, it's it's not the most popular movie, but it's not like people were like, huh. set it up. I've never heard of it. It's interesting because there's a lot of um, you on on the one hand, you had screwball comedies, which is prevalent in the 30s. And so maybe people were getting burnt out on it because sure. it's been it, going for several years. End. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, I think there was also kind of a demand for this is total guesswork. I could be completely wrong. That's fine. This, we're on a podcast. I'm, Nobody cares about what we're saying anyway. I'm wondering if uh, there was more of a demand for films that were th- uh, theatrical adaptations because Philadelphia story was a play mm. that was like a huge hit in New mm. York. Um, it's the same thing they kind of do now when there's a big musical in New York, they make the movie version of it or like a big comic book or a big book series. Well, I get like, I get really jealous when like there's this huge hit on Broadway and it's just like the biggest one to date is Hamilton. Oh yeah. And everyone's like, even, even New Yorkers were always complaining that they couldn't get tickets Mm -hmm. to go see it. Uh, But everyone's freaking out. It's like, it's the best thing ever. And I'm just like, no one's seen it. How do you know it's the best thing ever? I I feel like one of the questions New Yorkers must hate to be asked, which I definitely asked somebody this summer I met who was from New York. I was like, Oh, did you, did you ever get to see Hamilton? And they were like, you No, they were like, yeah, I totally Ah. have. But I, I, it's like, you must get asked that. But you should have been like with the original cast. I, I, yeah, I I don't remember. Was Lin-Manuel Miranda there? (laughs) But that's, I think that's kind of the thing with film in the thirties is that theater was, there was just a lot of plays that were just comedies. Right. Um, and so the, the Philadelphia story, I don't know if holiday was a play, but it feels kind of stagey like a play and holiday has its antics, but it's much more about the pitter patter between Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant. Yeah. It's not about like this crazy situation that these two human beings find themselves. in. Yeah. So I can imagine audiences were like, look, there's this new play out in New York. I live in California. I'm not going to be able to see it. So if you could make the movie version of that. But this is not doing any of that. And, you know, they're still doing stuff like that. Like In the Heights is being made into a movie soon. Um, And but I feel like it's the it's either the classics that have been out for a long time. Like, you know, when your Phantom of the Opera gets made. It's always disappointing. Yeah. And like the king of disappointments or I should say the cat's meow of disappointments (laughs) is cats. I, I don't know. I think half our audience would probably say it's great. Well, yeah, but that's because they're high right now. Hi. Um, what's the other one or, or, or it's going to be stuff like in the Heights, which is popular now, but wasn't super popular in its heyday. Right. You want the kind of the undercurrent, like stuff that nobody really knows about, but is a good story. And it just didn't have like a great backing. And they're kind of like, Oh, that sounded familiar. Maybe, maybe there was a Tony mention of such a thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I think my guess is that people were burnt out. And looking for something a little bit more sophisticated. Mm. Um, And they got it with uh, Philadelphia Story when it finally came out. Well, uh, Ryan, I think this is a good time for us to take take a pee break before Trope Talk. Yes. So, Ryan, tell me, in what way does this movie have a trope? In here, the trope talk, 
that I'm going to have with you, the trope is, I didn't think about it, it is the one crazy day with that significant other. Ooh, the one I like crazy it. day. One crazy day. One crazy day, one crazy night. It's usually kind of a combination of both. And this can be either it can be crazy in a drama way like in a Before Sunrise because that's just like one crazy yeah. day of experiences or it can be like coming of age like an American Graffiti. Yeah, yeah. Or it can be even though this movie happens over the course of about 2 days, mm-hmm. like it's still just one I would say it's just one crazy occurrence of a short amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some other great rom-com ones are uh, Date Night. Date Night. Same, yep. Same uh, chemistry. Carrell, yeah. It's the same like it's the same restaurant that you would get bringing up baby. You'd also find Date Night. <laughs> mm, let me see. What do you have on the menu here? Mm. Like I'm in the produce section. I'm going to grab my Date Nights. I'm going to go down the aisle. Are you in the mood for a nibble of Cary Grant? Or do I want some Cary Grant? Something a little older with a little more salt on it. Uh-huh. Would it be salt or pepper? I guess it'd be both. Both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, One Fine Day, George Clooney, Michelle right. Pfeiffer. Yep. Um, there's even like movies like, not Heat, but I'm, I'm trying to think. There's like movies that happen like heist wise where it's just like this takes place. You get to see like how this heist takes place on this day and how it, it turns bad generally. Oh, Dunkirk was one crazy day. Yeah, Dunkirk. <laughs> uh, Dunkirk was like, well, it was two crazy days and six hours of a day and like 30 minutes of a day. And it's like, Christopher Nolan, I need you to lay off the coffee. I just woke up. <laughs> He's like, next time it's going to be over the course of a year. <laughs> it's going to take a whole year to watch. I really can't oh. do that, my man. Imagine if Christopher Nolan and... Um, why can't I think of his name? He directed Boyhood. He directed Before Sunrise. Richard Linklater. Richard Linklater. That'd um, be the collab of the ages. Oh my gosh. It would be I it would be great, but a snooze fest of the ages too, maybe. Um <laughs> so like th- what does this do? It basically it's like tea, right? Where you oh, just Oh Zuko, I love tea. I love tea. Why don't you enjoy a cup of calming jasmine tea? I don't need any calming tea. I need to capture the avatar. You, but it's like you you take these two generally characters mm-hmm. and you put them in a cup and you say steep together. And it's a, generally a lot of like conflicting flavors. But as long as they stay there long enough, what eventually is weird becomes bitter. And then you're like, no, after drinking this a long time, I actually really love this. Yeah, I'm trying to think, are there any people in your life that, you currently are in friendship or friendationship with or were. What is friendation? Well, you know, Sarah and I were in a friendationship back oh, in the day. Well, where, I'm not currently in one of those. No, no, but, but were you in any I? in friendationships that yes. happened thanks to one good day or one weird day with yes, someone? Yes, Tell me definitely. about it. Um, I won't name drop in college. If you're listening, you're, you'll know who you are. Um, but it was one of those things where started hanging out with this person at breakfast at Saga, which is like mine and Ryan's college cafeteria, um, with a group of friends. And we kind of changed which group of friends we were hanging out with a little bit over the course of the day. But I ended up meeting up with them later that night where we hung out with people and went to a party and ended up back at their dorm. And we watched The Gods Must Be Crazy. And then after watching The Gods Must Be Crazy, we talked until... 
like eight in the morning. And but like this was after doing a bunch of other zany weird things over the course of the day. And then like we didn't end up dating or anything after that. But it was it was a close call kind of deal. And like we almost ended up dating and we almost ended up dating later on in our life, too. And we had this extremely like unintentional but strong foundation that happened because Mm -hmm. of it where just because we were steeped in each other's presence for a certain amount of time and realized we could survive with each other and not get on each other's nerves for that amount of time, it ended up being like strong enough to build an actual long lasting to this day friendship from that. Mm -hmm. And you can do that with people that you have like no romantic interest in too. Um, But it, it's one of those those odd things where you you either commit to or through circumstance like grow a foundation for a relationship of some kind through just time spent together. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've had like three or four of those things before. I feel like when you and I became friends, we we had class together for a long time and then what did what? we do like the first time we hung out outside of class? The first time. Because there was the show at my house that we kind of hung out. We kind of hung out. But I think the other time was we ended up like you were going to a Barcelona concert. Oh, yeah. And then I was there for a little bit. And then you came and hung out with me in the coffee shop. And we kind of talked for like four hours before going. Like we walked each other back to our respective houses, which were kind of across the street from each other. Yeah. And then just said, see you later. Yeah. Uh, but then like after that, oh, it yeah. was just like kind of every other day we were like hanging out. We always kind of ran into each other on our walks to or from school. Yeah. You and your big black coat. And I don't know what I wore. You and your little pink negligee. <laughs> <laughs> These aren't my clothes. <laughs> um, the, the one have, craze, you, have I worn a pink negligee? No. Have you uh, had a, a one crazy night or one crazy day? I mean... You were, you were a part of mine and Sarah's one long day and night. So, but oh yeah, but that's right. It was still, it was still foundational. It still yeah. took. Mm-hmm. It was still years in the making. But Sarah and I's closeness started with that day. Where what did we we played cards? We went to the coffee shop. We went. Uh, did we watch a movie? Did we watch a movie? Yeah. What did we watch? Um, it was on the couch. It was. Old, is it a Christmas movie? Maybe. I think it was White Christmas. Was it? Well, we had hot chocolate. We got all cozy with oh, each wait, other. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Was it um, Murder by Death? We definitely, you definitely showed that to us, but I feel like that's a movie that was later where you're like, okay. I got to show this movie to you guys. Okay. But it was something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm glad you were witness to mine and Sarah's beginning because that was like a relationship starter course where- mm-hmm. The chemistry definitely started between us then mm-hmm. with one long day. And I remember at 24 hours, it, we basically hung out for like 18 hours. Like yeah. we, we saw them the very beginning of the morning and then it was like 2 a.m. they went home or something, right? Yeah. If, if, like, if that early. Yeah. yeah. And I remember turning to you and I was like, dude, what was that? I know. You were very surprised. You hadn't had a moment like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you were like, "What people people do this all the time?" I was like, "No," and I think it was uh, being 
waking up to this chemistry that I'm John Malkovich waking Ned divine. I I was waking Ned divine the situation, (laughs) (laughs) but I was, I think that's why the attraction to Sarah was so steadfast is that it was like, I've been attracted to many women before and I've had a a lot of crushes before, Uh but nothing ever like that. And I think that day was such a contribution. So I was thinking going into this trope that it's kind of a ridiculous trope. That's not really real, but now I'm realizing maybe it's the realest one of all. I think it is. I think it speaks to the humanity in all of us trying to reach out and connect to somebody, even if they don't seem perfect at first. Yeah. Like, um, like with, with Robin and I, like, I, I, I don't know if it was last episode or the episode before we kind of talked about how, how we, like our first date ended up like, you know, being, I don't know, something like 15 hours long. Mm. Um, but it also included like a coffee shop meeting that was four hours earlier that day. So we we spent like 19 hours together. Was the, that the same day? It was, but it was later that day. We we took a break and then went, it wasn't our first day meeting each other. It was oh, just, oh. it was our first date. Oh, 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 oh. It was a day that started out not a date, then became a date because I asked her out. That's so cool. It was cool. Wait, wait, wait. You were like, hey, let's get coffee. And then you were having coffee. And then we are like... Later tonight, let's do something. Yeah, yes. I was, uh, it was basically we, um, we had known each other before, but, um, this was a coffee shop date where we particularly like met to get together and like continue other conversations we had. And then we sat on a couch and we were like getting closer to each other. And closer and we kept showing each other like, you know, other cool things that we liked or had done or were interested in doing film wise, got closer and closer and closer and closer and closer. And then it got to the point where we were looking at each other on the couch and I'm like, I'm going to kiss her on this couch. I'm like, uh, (laughs) and, um, it like, we definitely saw each other's wait, wait, did you? No, you didn't. No, it, it wasn't the time we both discussed this afterwards. It was like. It was like we, Samwise, you fool! It, at that point in time, it would have been, it would have been like a lustful couch kiss in the middle of a coffee shop, and it's like that wasn't where we we both kind of acknowledged in each other's eyes this is not where we want our first kiss to be. Ah, uh. and so I was also talking to my grandparents that day because it was one of their birthdays, so I went out and did that, and then I was like, hey, how would you feel about getting together later tonight? And so I kind of had to make shift a date in three hours, mm-hmm. and uh, then we. Had a date. I took her to a bridge that was really pretty in the middle of the night that I thought would be the perfect place for a first kiss. We did have our first kiss. And then uh, we snuck onto the roof of the um, uh, Native American exhibit garden at PSU. Um, nice. Yeah, I broke in. <laughs> If you ever want to know how, let you know. Little leopard you are. <laughs> a little B&E. Um, and then we went to Pied Cow and uh, of course. had some dinner and some mulled wine. Yeah. And then one thing might have led to another. Okay. Oh, yeah. oh, me, me, me next, me next, me next. Okay. Uh, Sarah and I started dating while she was in Chicago. Uh, she called During me- an episode of Lord of the Rings watching. It wasn't an episode. It was a movie. Well, they're like episodes to me. I've watched them so often. (laughs) Sarah and I were texting, and that's when she asked me out because I had already asked her out, and she had rejected me. Was it like this? Yo, Ryan, I'm in. I'm in. Hey, I'm having a deep dish pizza. Yeah, you wanna you wanna go out sometime? And then I said, I don't know who this is, but please stop calling. (laughs) But she asked me out 
via text. And so she was in. That was the worst Chicago accent I could have possibly done. Right yeah. Now. Everyone from Sorry, Chicago. What, what happened? Is mad at you. Uh, we have no Illinois listeners. It's fine. <laughs> we're we're in listening to data it, analytics. We're we're listening to in thirty two countries, just, just not, not Illinois. Chicago. <laughs> um, what about Indiana? What about Michigan? I'm looking right now. I'm looking right now. Think of t- keep telling your story. Uh, I want you to be listening to my. Story. I'm listening. Well, she was in Chicago for a month. Then yep. she's gonna come home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we started dating anyways, uh, long distance because I was like. Three weeks, I can handle it. Yeah. Uh, Three weeks is nothing. The first day that she was back, we finally got to see each other. And I met her at the Mac station in Tigard, where she brought me to her mom's piano recital, because her mom is a piano teacher. And that's when I met her family as the boyfriend. I'd met them like once before as the friend. So you started dating, talking on the phone, Uh and then... It's the did first, they know did they know that you two were dating? Yeah. Oh, it wasn't like this is my new boyfriend. No, I guess no, they met she you didn't before. drop it then. Yeah. But the first thing we did that day was we went to a piano recital. And then I can't remember what we did after that. I'm sorry, Gurney, Peoria, Wheaton, and Chicago. Any listeners that we've had there? Oh, cool. Thank Way to you. go. All right. <laughs> right on board. Apparently I was wrong about Illinois. Uh so then we came back to our place, and mm-hmm. I must have made it very clear for you not to be in the apartment when we came home, because you were nowhere to be seen. No, you were long gone. I'm just that good of a roommate. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, and Was I not the best roommate? You were the best. Thank you. And smooth as I was, came home, I had flowers waiting, and she saw the flowers, and then I kissed her. Because there was no bridge that I could have taken her to. The Vista Bridge is literally two blocks from my house. Yeah, but it was day. It wasn't as romantic. <laughs> sure, sure. Not as romantic on the Vista know, Bridge. And I was yeah. just like, I've had a crush on you for years. Can I kiss you now? <laughs> You're like, it must happen now. <laughs> Cannot stand any longer. Uh, and thankfully, the apartment was ours to Gross. Kiss anyway, him. moving yeah. on. Um, <laughs> so... Yes, that was that is the trope. That is the thing. Ryan, this is an amazing movie. So many good things happened in it. It really is. And I was thinking near the end of the movie, I'm like, eh, this is less a rom-com, more comedy, but it, it gets the... But it's all about these two people's relationship. Yeah, it really gets the motors running. You really just... Yeah, you got hot? You got hot watching this movie? Got... Ryan, you dirty bird, were you watching <laughs> this movie in a trench coat? I got Gross. a Gross! Little... <laughs> yeah. Do uh, leopards turn you on? Leopards are... That's why we have leopard. Ryan! Is that why we have leopard print underwear? Yes. Oh. It's because leopards are naturally sexy. Wait, what if leopard print underwear just came from this movie? Yeah, that's what I'm asking. No, Is okay, this no, no. what the inspiration was? <laughs> the, the bringing up baby brand? Uh, oh, nice. Okay, we'll talk about it later. I want to ask you before we get into... Well, I'm going to... I'm going to ask you questions out of order. I want to know right off the bat, who would you fall in love with? Are there any circumstances in which uh, the two of you might be more than just good friends? The truth of it is, I loved you from the first second I met you. But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. You have bewitched me, body and soul. And I love, and love, and love you. I know. But 
I have a side question. Oh, uh-huh. I have a side question to uh-huh. it. Of the classic Golden Age of Hollywood film stars. I know them. 1930s to 1960. Yep. How does, where does. Catherine Hepburn rank in terms of like the most glamorous women you would like. Catherine Her- Hepburn, um, I don't care what list you give me, she's at the top of it. Is she? Yes. Like of all time. Like Lauren Bacall, Audrey Hepburn. The only other person Raquel that, Welch. That, that comes close to me is Carol King. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'm a huge Catherine Hepburn, Carol King guy. Okay. Uh, why? Um, Beautiful, gorgeous, talented, smart. Yeah. Timeless. And Both the, of them. The girls you're interested in are usually taller, too. Catherine's kind of, she feels tall. I have her Wikipedia up right here. Catherine Hepburn is an actress. <laughs> it doesn't say how <laughs> That's not helpful, is. Wikipedia. Um, uh, she has big hair, so perhaps. Uh, but... Actually, before I dated, Robin and I just talked about this tonight. Before Robin and I started dating, every single person I dated um, between the ages of 21 and Robin, every person I dated seriously anyway was under 5'5". Yeah, but I've known about some crushes that you've had, and there were some taller ladies that you've had crushes on. And hey, I I married somebody who's 5'7", so. Yeah. She thinks she's 5'9", but she's she's (laughs) 5'7". Uh, Robin, you're you're hearing this right now. I know how tall you are. Yeah. Uh, good to know, Catherine Hepburn. Oh, what about you? Um, you're an Audrey Hepburn guy. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like Audrey's the small and delicate Hepburn, mm-hmm. and I'm I like the small delicate women, and you like the taller. I like the strong, got their own style women. Uh, Robin's got a s- strong type. Does she, yeah. <laughs> I guess so. I was trying. I was trying to think of another adjective. Robin, you're a strong like, lady. Just strong lady. She, <laughs> she all aspects. You, you've, you've never seen this because you didn't uh, help us move as much as um, uh, this last time we moved. But Robin lifts like she picks up a side of a couch the whole by herself. Yeah, she got gains. Uh, there was something where we were moving stuff around, and it was one of those things in the back of my head. I'm like, oh, I'm with girls so i guess i'll just move the and before i got to the end of that thought robin had moved the thing ryan with your back you shouldn't be moving anything i know she's a lot stronger than me we also we also work on set a lot which is basically picking up boxes and moving them or lights or c-stands or something okay so i guess Catherine hepburn uh who who would i fall in love with in this movie Catherine hepburn because i don't care if she is chaotic evil even i'm falling in love with this woman she it would be exhausting in a way, but completely worth it. She has so much vim and vigor for life. She is, she is endlessly entertaining to me. I would be right on board with her going 24 seven, a hundred miles an hour. Okay. Not the ant for sure. Yeah. No, sorry. aunt. not miss swallow. No, but, <laughs> And what about you, Ryan? I'm going to ask that question quick. What about you? Who would you fall in love with? Because uh, I know it's not Catherine Hepburn in this movie. <laughs> she's, too, I, I love you she's so much. She's way too much for she's me. She's way too much for you. Way too much for me. Um, therefore, the only other viable person, it can't be Cary Grant because he's too much of a, of a little. I felt like he would be your speed. 
he's too much like me. What was the other movie that someone was like me too much? I need a little bit of opposites attract sure. kind of thing. I need sure. a little something. I can't date myself. Is it know? is it baby? Uh, I'm gonna go with Miss Swallow. Yeah. Okay. And I'm just gonna leave it at the nomenclature. And <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well then, um, uh, I don't know where to go from there. What's your What's your rom com Oscar? Save me. <laughs> <laughs> what's uh, your Ryan? What's your rom com Oscar? Okay. If you if you had to give this movie an Oscar, what's your rom com Oscar? Uh Best Pace? Best Pace? Best Pacing? Best yeah, Pacing? Yeah, yeah, Best Pacing. I, I gave that to another movie. I can't remember which one, but I I think this is a it is extremely consistent, isn't it? Yeah. In its pacing. It yeah. it it feels like you, you like basketball, right? That's your Love sport. To, basketball. That's your sport to watch if you're going to watch a sport. Let's go Dame. If you, if you, if you're watching a game and it's just going back and forth, back and forth, lots of fast breaks, you know, it's not slowing down a little bit. This film feels like that. It feels like it has a shot clock Mm -hmm. and they're like, we have to get to the end of this gag before the buzzer goes. That's a great way of putting it. Like if you're editing a film, like, I feel like we should like apply that to ourselves and have like an egg timer when we're like working on a scene and like just have the 23 seconds going. It's like, "Mm -hmm." Out of time. <laughs> keep it keep it moving um yeah this movie like it's the amount of opportunities that it has to fit gags into moments is great like like that one i was like she loses one shoe and it turns into a gag for like the next 30 minutes mm-hmm. it's like oh no no we're gonna use this again and again mm-hmm. and again and again don't worry about it don't worry about the last one stop thinking about it a new one it's so good um for me i'm just going to give best actress Mm-hmm. I think uh, Catherine Hepburn's performance in this film, I think Cary Grant's is great. Um, it's, but I, I think Cary Grant thrives in this film, but I think he thrives better in others. I think though, though Catherine Hepburn is maybe one of my favorites in Philadelphia story as well, or something like on golden pond. I've never seen lion in winter, but I'm no, it's good. She's won four Oscars, but this to me is a peak of one of her many peaks. If she's a mountain range, this is one of her peaks. And mm. I think credit where credit is due. She is amazeballs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's bring it up, baby. That's it, my variety. <laughs> <laughs> Pull quote. <laughs> this, this babe is amazeballs. <laughs> From noted critic, Kelly McCrillin. <laughs> this yeah, that's what they're going to put on my <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes uh, poll. I, I, um, this movie is called Bringing Up Baby, right? Which I think only adds to the like nutsness and the zaniness of this film because they're not raising this leopard. They're just looking for it. But there's like a quirkiness where it's like, like, no, we're bringing up baby. Like, where does that come from? Yeah, what does that mean? And like, then I got me thinking of like the Philadelphia story and I'm like, it's set outside Philadelphia, I guess. Yeah. Cause it's Philadelphia society and this is leopard society. So they have to bring it up. Like maybe they're bringing it up as a topic. Like, let me oh, tell oh, you a story. Yeah. I'm bringing up baby again. Are oh. you bringing up baby? Yes. Stop. I'm bringing up baby. I was talking about George here. Stop bringing up baby. That's the, that's the context. Jimmy Stewart. If he came into the movie. That was also a terrible accent. No, it wasn't, Ryan. That's pretty good. You're getting there. 
Uh, oh, well, gee, thanks. Uh, do Henry Fonda. Um, well, I, I guess I could talk back here. Oh, that's Clint Eastwood. I'm sorry. You're right. It is. <laughs> um, so I was trying to go old Henry Fonda. I'm trying to, let's see, 12 Angry Men Henry Fonda. Um, well, you see, the thing is, there's 12 angry men around me right now. I don't know who that is. It it's sounds like Clint Eastwood's, like, cousin. <laughs> like, uh, Farnsworth. My, I, I don't think... I, I need to practice. I will practice, I promise, before next episode, and I'll come at you with a really good Henry Fonda. Um, what are we watching next week? Uh, you... I guess, technically, I picked this one. Yeah, that's right. I picked this one with your help. Um, so maybe you should pick the next one with my help? Yes. Okay. Yes. Are you going to go to the wall? Yeah. I mean, what this means is basically you get to watch a movie for free and I have to pay for one. Uh, you got me. Or it could be on Netflix. Oh, I moved the rom-coms. They're over here now. Is, so you did. Is one about Bob a rom-com? That's not quite a rom-com. Alternatively, you can look through Netflix and pick one there. Dear John, forgetting Sarah Marshall, it could happen to you tonight. I feel like we watched a classic. Maybe we go with like a 90s. 90s? Uh, when's the last time we did 90s? Right? We did sci-fi. We did not quite a rom-com was 90s, but that was not quite a rom-com. Um, I think the last 90s one we did was Sleepless in Seattle. Oh, man. Let's do another classic 90s. What's it going to be, though? What's going to be? What's going to be? What's going to be? We could do four weddings and a funeral. Uh, I want to I wanna hold off the Hugh Grant. Hold on. Why, Ryan? Why Why don't you want to do four weddings and a funeral? Uh, I had to come back to my microphone for this. This is what you've made me do. Uh, well, we can do it. I just... No, no. I why? Feel... Tell me why. Tell me in your heart of hearts. I want to, I want to like, it's kind of did, like, how recently did you watch this movie, Ryan? Probably four months ago. Is that why? That's one of the reasons why. Ryan, also don't... Ryan, we made a pact with Nora Ephron when her ghost came out of the nether and she was like, you must make a podcast about rom-coms. And you promised you were right here with me. You promised her. You're like, I won't watch rom-coms unless I have to for your podcast. I'm going to dedicate myself to that. You lied to Nora Ephron. I'm shamed. Okay. quite a rom-com and it's the 80s we've already watched harry met sally we're not watching you've got mail from next thanksgiving something's got to give this 2000s it's complicated looks stupid i kind of want to do it's complicated that's not 90s i know but i was just thinking we should do it's complicated because holiday is fresh in our head and this is what came after the holiday and i i just it, it's got mixed reviews and I want to see and and because you think it's stupid I just want to go off of that emotion and I just kind of want to go go there okay so I'm looking at <clears throat> the DVD box of it's complicated and we've got Meryl Streep looking like she uh, Meryl Streep and Alec Baldwin sitting there uh, in these white sheets dressed in white and she looks like she had I would say a five on the scale of one to 10 sex wise. <laughs> and Alec Baldwin is looking like he 
finished in about four minutes. Okay, so on the back <laughs> of the box that you're holding up, it says, you won't want to miss this one. See it. Well, that's A.O. Scott, who I trust. Yet, on the front of the movie, it says, memorably hilarious by Peter Travers. Oh, then we have to watch it. Ugh. Um. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Fine. It's complicated. Ryan, my, I'll change my Facebook status this week to... It's complicated. Oh, okay. Um, where can people find us if they want to tell us why? Why, you guys? Why did you pick this movie for next week? We don't know. People know. could it, love it. It could be good. Well, I'm setting myself up to like it more. Oh, good. Uh, find us at Romcom Gents on Instagram on Facebook. 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 <laughs> that sounds like a, a way to insult persons. Yeah, they got a total face back. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, they have a beard, but it's all over their face. Uh, on Facebook, search Romcom Gents. You'll find us. Yeah, come join our come join our Facebook society. Um, it's only 50 cents for admission. Mm-hmm. Nope, it's, no, it's free. It's free, like everything else on Facebook. And email us uh, at romcomgents at gmail.com. Uh-huh. Uh, if you want to let us know that we were wrong about bringing up baby, you could try. And you can email us about it. You'll be wrong, but don't worry. You're right. Don't worry. But you're wrong. I I would like to hear a reason why it's not a good movie and still like respecting it for what it like saying, oh, it's a screwball comedy, but it's a bad screwball comedy. I'd like to hear them. Wait, so you want them to. But I mean, I think they'd have to bring up one that is emblematic of good. Well, it's kind of like. You know how people like come out of movies like The Witch and they're like, that was a terrible horror movie. I'm kind of like, I don't think it was going to be Scream. Like, I don't think it was going to be you, you the horror that, movie well, you so were you're, expecting you're, it to be. Um, <laughs> what this person is thinking is it's a romantic comedy that's zany in the way they want. But what this podcast presupposes is maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't. But I, I just wonder if like, okay, I can understand someone not liking it because they don't want to watch a screwball comedy. But what if they what if they made an impassioned argument that it's not a good screwball comedy? I would I would like to hear that defense. Okay. Yeah, if you want, email <laughs> us at romcomgents at gmail.com. Um, and, you know, we're, we're a couple of, you know, dudes who are trying to make this work. And we've got you know, new mics to pay for. And, uh, we're in Ryan's old cat room right now. Um, Hey, we cleaned up the stain. We cleaned it. Yeah. It smells a lot better in here, but, um, you know, if you, if you just had like a really good Christmas and your grandma gave you a little bit extra money and you're not hurting as bad as maybe some people are in the world right now, and you might like what we do, we do this for free for you, but if you feel like chucking us a couple of bucks, we've uh, we've got a little sponsor page on our on our anchor uh, site. That would be anchor.fm backslash a g g r c, which stands for a gentleman's guide rom coms. <laughs> um, but not two. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a little support button there, just if you feel like you know we've given you something and you want to give something back. No pressure, of course. Everybody. Um, you know, we love putting this out there. But um, if you want to buy us a latte, that would be really yeah, cozy. Yeah, we really wouldn't mind it. Plus, like, Ryan's Ryan's a father. He needs as, amount of co- like, as much coffee as he can get. I, He's a father! Kelly, I had so much coffee today. <laughs> it was ridiculous. How's your I, bathroom look right now? Uh, just destroyed. <laughs> but I had... Sarah made me make her a extra pot of coffee and made myself a pot of coffee. Then in the afternoon, I went and got myself a mocha. Whoa. So much coffee. Well, don't tell the people. Now they know that you can buy your own mochas. 
Well, no, I'm breaking the bank by getting the mocha. I should oh, never yeah. gotten the mocha in the first place. Ryan makes bad decisions. Please help feed his addiction. Help my impulses. <laughs> um, but yeah, we love you all out there. We're coming up on a year here soon in a couple of months. Like I said, we're in 32 countries now. Um, and less states. I think we're in 26 states. Come on, like, USA. Come on, guys. Come on. Represent. Yeah. Send your representatives to us. And if you want us to like... if. If I think what we should do in the next couple of weeks is do a poll and have like four movies up for grabs and let the audience kind of pick, put it up on Facebook. And Can they all be Star Wars movies? No, 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 no. These are Can they be just the prequels? No. Okay. One day. Hey, we'll do that on our own time. One day. We'll have we'll have an entire zany day where <gasps> you and I just get together and yeah. it's like, how did we spend this much time together? And look at these crazy adventures that we watch somebody else have. Yeah. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, I love you in only the way that two people who ha- are complete opposites can love each other. I love you in the way that a leopard and a dog can be friends. Are we sure that the dog wasn't hurt? <laughs> By the leopard, because the leopard's big. I mean, that's the way I love you, is that people are like, I don't know, is one of them getting hurt? And other people are like, no, they're just having fun. Right, exactly. That's how it is. I. That's what I used to say when um, somebody was like, is Ryan okay back there with Sarah? And I'm like, no, no, no it's okay. They're not hurt. They're just having fun. <laughs> Who asked that? You know, when, when I was in my apartment with a friend or something, and you were just gone for a long time, and they oh. heard noises, and they were just wondering if you were okay. <laughs> this is the best part of relationships when you emerge for air for like 10 minutes and then you go back into your bedroom oh man the smells that emanate from those rooms <laughs> bye <clears throat> and this is where we will say a goodbye Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu Thank you for listening to our review. Rate and subscribe, we'll even take a bribe. So see you next week on the Gentleman's Guide. To rom-coms. <laughs>